Welcome to another episode of Left on Red Podcast. I am Jen, also known as Brooklyn Jordan. And I'm Dwayne. In today's episode, we are talking about If Bill Street Could Talk, which is the 1974 James Baldwin novel, and also recently the film was adapted on it. Um, turns out this was actually one of the first, if not the first, film adapted in English of a James Baldwin book, which I thought was really interesting and really dope. Um, I read the book. I read the novel. If you guys follow me on YouTube, you saw on 2018 for my best reads, that was, I believe, number two for me, um, either number two or number three of the year. It was an amazing read and made one of my favorite books I've ever read um, before list. But to know that it was going to be adapted to a film is what made me read the book, and I was forever thankful. Um, so, of course, we had to see the film when it was released. Definitely. Yeah, and we both we both saw it. So we're going to talk about basically like kind of our thoughts on the film as well as kind of how that ties into relationship with the book because, I mean, you cannot talk about the film without talking about the novel and talking about James Baldwin and all his brilliance. So let's get into it. So what is a black love story that you have seen that you really liked? I don't think I've ever seen one like this where the love just continues all the way through no matter what. Like, yeah, there's nothing that I can think of like that, but I haven't seen like all, a lot of movies. I've seen a lot of romance <laughs> movies, a lot of black loves. You know, we have the Love Jones. We have That ain't the, a black love movie. That's what we have. I'm yeah, telling I'm saying, you the truth. That's what it is. This Love the Jones, um, Love and Basketball. That's um, oh, let's not get into Love and Basketball. That's a whole nother podcast episode. <laughs> let's talk about Black love stories. So I have this ongoing thing with Dwayne and all this stuff about like these love romances and how it's like some of the most problematic and horrible love stories where I would never want to experience anything like that. But, you know, they're just cult classics, like in Love and Basketball, for those of you who haven't seen with Sanaa Lathan um, and Omar Epps. And, yeah, it's basically him trying her over and over again and her just dealing with it and fighting for his love. And that's black love. Uh, negative. So like, what are some examples? Give some examples of, through the movie of all the ridiculous stuff that was that happened. So... For one, <laughs> let's start off. Okay, when they're children, that's fine. They're children, they're on bikes, they have a relationship for a week. He wants to give her a ride to school, and he's like, you need to ride my bike because my dad always drives a car. And she's like, no, that's stupid, I'm going to ride my own bike. And he's like, you you ugly or something. He pushes her, and, you know, she gets bruised. So we starting off with domestic violence. <laughs> Basically, her chin's bruised. But this is if you're really looking deep into it. Whatever, they're kids. You give that's it a pass. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah, go ahead. Anyways... Lolly, lolly, la. You don't get a pass for hitting people as a kid. You're right. You really don't. But in the book, that not book, in the movie, that's how it happens. So, okay. So then you get to high school. She has a crush on him. He only likes fine girls, basically. He wants big titty, whatever her name is, Gabrielle Union. Which it was interesting. No, let me not judge people's cup size. But it was interesting. Shawnee with, the, Shawnee with the big titties, that was a big line from it. Anyways. And, you know... When he sees her and she finally looks presentable at the dance, then he's like, okay, she's she bad. So she doesn't I'm, like tomboys. Not ugly. She wasn't, she's annihilate them. From his perspective, she wasn't attractive. Yeah. So another scene, I mean, if we get into it later in high school, when they finally whoop-de-woo, 
he finally notices her at the prom, even though he was had a date with another girl, Shawnee Easton with the big titties or whatever. He sees her and he kind of wants her now because she looks a little bit sexier and she actually has a really fine date. So he goes to her place and he's jealous, so they have sex, whatever. Now they're in a relationship. Somewhere along the this line. This is after he turned her down, right? Where's the prom? He didn't turn her down. He didn't turn her down. He just didn't ask her out. Oh, okay. Um, but then in college, they have this relationship. He finds out his dad's cheating. Now he's mad at the world. He wanted her to miss, like, curfew so she wouldn't be able to start in her first chance of starting, really, in her basketball game. And because she wanted to say, hey, instead of missing curfew, could you come back to the dorm so that way I can still start? He took that as you're supposed to sacrifice basically everything for me in life, even if this is your one chance, even though I've been starting all these times and you've supported me through all this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to flaunt another girl in front of you, cheat on you, take the girl to Burger King, her crying back for him, he being like, nah, you weren't there for me that one time, I'm done with you. He moves on, he's dating, she's still the only person she's ever really loved is him. Her whole life is surrounded around him. She sees him in the NBA and he gets injured and he's about to marry Tyra Banks and she comes back and she basically is fighting for his love. So he tells her, hey, no, I'm going to marry this girl. And she's like, no, but we love each other. I'll play you for it. So then they play each other for it. He pushes her on the ground and like fouls her hard and she loses the game. But then he's like, you know what? We can go another round. So he gives her another chance. So in that, they end up happily ever after because they get married and have a kid. So basically, he never saw anything. What he did was wrong. She had to give up her whole life. Her whole life surrounded around this dude. And that's our love story. I think it's flabbergasting as to why anybody would want that in a love story. But it's very entertaining. I've gotten so many lines from that movie. You know. What's your favorite line? Oh, there's so many. One of my favorites for whatever reason. I can't even do into the mic. Go back, wing back. Madaga! <laughs> or, they, they cursing their mamas out in Spain. Um, when she says, she puts on his, her, the grandma's pearls that her daughter has sex in for the first time during prom. There's just so many good freaking lives in that movie. <laughs> like, I just love them. Oh, you know what's another one um, that I was thinking about since we we're in the, kind of the holiday season that people were talking about? The Preacher's Wife. Uh, yeah, we need to watch that again. That's I don't, a good one. I don't remember all the details, but the whole premise of it is a little questionable. <laughs> Everybody rooting for the angel to steal somebody's wife. I know. I was like, Whitney, just leave your your husband and get with this angel. Oh, yeah, at least my husband. Yeah, the preacher's wife. Like, leave your preacher and get with this angel. It's Denzel freaking Washington. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm literally a kid. Not really, I get the concept that it's an angel, they can't really make it, but I'm like, he's in uniform, y'all can do this. <laughs> like, and they have a moment, I think, in the end. We gotta watch that now. That's a good love story. <laughs> like, Love Jones is another one. What I will say about Love Jones, at least they portray it where it's not like this deep romance. We don't even know if those fools make it in the end. And it's more about black culture and like, it might be a little hoteppy, but <laughs> it was nice to see black people into poetry and 
you know, they had a lot of Maxwell playing and they were over here in record stores and they were like, kind of like black middle class. And it's just, it's a, it's a good culture-like movie. And they kind of deal with, you know, she has a rebound dude and they kind of got a little love Jones for each other and they're a little st stuck on each other. And even though things weren't perfect, they have this chemistry. It's not saying like they're soulmates. That's why I think I vibe with that a little bit better than Love and Basketball, where it's just this dude literally treats you like trash over and over again, and you're just fighting for his love. Anyways, that was a long tangent to say that these are the love story, Black's love story movies that I had to look forward to. So yes, I am excited about If Bill Street Could Talk, being adapted on film, and seeing that Black love. <laughs> so Jen, what? What, how did you feel about the movie and how did it compare to the, to the book? Okay, so <laughs> I liked the movie. I really enjoyed the movie. I thought the movie was beautiful, but you, you can't tell me how it compared to because the book I was obsessed with, am obsessed with, and it just blew me out of the water. And the book for me was more so like romance on a thousand as well as touching on the social issues, but I felt like it was equal parts of both. But it was really about black love and how with black love, you can't erase the black part of it and just the issues that comes with being black. So it felt like a real true love story. The movie was good, but I feel like the only reason it was good for me like that was because it almost affirmed who the different characters were and seeing those people come to life. And I feel like they casted Fonny, the lead male, perfectly. And different stuff like that made me enjoy the film more. It's hard for me to know how I would have enjoyed the film standalone. Okay, so from the perspective of someone who has not read the book, how did you perceive the film? So I thought um, the film was good. Um, it, I guess it didn't live up to my expectations or the preconceived notions I had about it based on your explanation of you know, the love and the romance that was in the book and it being a true romance novel. I think I, that came across to me, but I think the idea that I had in my head about it, um, I didn't get to see it on screen because obviously it's not my film. I didn't adapt the film. And also um, I didn't write the book. So it was a combination of having my own preconceived notions and them not being represented on, on screen that I think impacted um, how I felt about the movie. Um, based on, you know, kind of what you told me about the- Don't blame this on me. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I, I built up, I built a film in my head based on the romance and the love that you said that the book, you know, yeah. had in it. And so um, the, the way I viewed it wasn't the way that Barry Jenkins viewed it. You know what I'm saying? So You think so? I think he probably just took his own twist because this is based off the Yeah, novel. that's what I'm saying. Oh. My view is different from his view. I yes. guess. He had yeah. his own twist because he's in- on him. But how you had a whole view of an entire film without even reading the book? I don't know. I had I didn't have a view of the film. I had a view of a feeling that I would get from the film. Oh, gotcha. Well, um, from that perspective, yeah, that's why I feel like... Like, I was surprised that I didn't see you cry multiple times, which I kind of expected. You know what? I didn't think about that. I actually didn't cry. Yeah, there wasn't any parts that touched me like that to evoke that emotion. But in the book, I cried on a few parts. So that's interesting. Um, but I think the reason, I feel like this film was made, this is just me. Like, I think you have to see, read the book and then see the film because I feel like the film only supplements the book. Like it, 
puts a face to a lot of the characters like Fani. I just love the character Fani in the book and I thought they casted Fani so well. Tish, I feel like it was good enough. Like it was a good enough fit. It um it matched also Regina King, of course, she's just a beast. So yeah. she did a good job with the mom. And the interesting part though, this is why it's hard when you read novels because they took out so many parts that I enjoyed in the book. But in some instances I feel like this was the only director that could have really done this book justice because there's so many points where Baldwin describes so many things. And Baldwin is just so lyrically beautiful and just good with his words and you're there, like you're in the scene. And I was like, how are they gonna be able to do this without literally having all of the words <laughs> flash across the screen? Um, so the fact that you know they had a little bit of the narration and some of the quotes were directly recognizable from the book. I felt like those moments really reeled me in and it was good. Plus I feel like a lot of the emotion that you read in the book, you can't have someone say it. So the person has to act it out or it has to have this intense feeling or something. So a lot of his camera style and him getting close in on the faces and reeling you in in that way, if you read the book, it kind of brings those feelings to life where you can almost hear the passages on the pages being read while a certain scene's happening or something. Mm -hmm. So that part's kind of um, good. Um, for me, between Moonlight and If Bill Street Could Talk, I liked Moonlight better just for the fact that it was not something I've ever seen before and it was on a topic that's not really explored before. And so with this one, it seemed more familiar, but with a style that I was already used to from his previous film. And so all this stuff that was cool, like the lighting of black skin and the, um, the portrait look, um, to me, was familiar already. So it didn't give me that, you know, first time experience um, that really is awe-inspiring. I feel like for me, like the lighting and all of that stuff, that to me is what makes the movie. Like I enjoyed it. There's such different films like Moonlight is almost like a coming of age story and it was Florida and I'm from Florida and it dealt with, you know, male masculinity and just a I, lot of, it dealt with a lot of different stuff, which was cool. They deal with different topics. If Bill Street can talk, I feel like some, like visually is beautiful to watch. I felt like I was still like, oh wow. You know, I, I still felt like that. And plus seeing like skin complexions of dark, darker skin complected love story on film to me that's always going to be something that's just like I appreciate it because we don't get that a lot what I will say is watching the movie as someone who read the book I feel like you know sometimes you like oh you could just watch the movie you don't need to read the book for this particular for this particular film I feel like it's important that you do read the book I just feel like some, this almost felt like a supplement or like a general kind of quick synopsis of the book itself. And it kind of gives you some of the elements, but for you to get that raw emotion and for you to get like a lot of just a lot of the different themes that were going on within the book, it would be hard to put that into film. I feel like that is a big part of the book is the emotions behind it. And at least he he lets you dive in where if you have some background knowledge of the novel and stuff like that, seeing the intensity in their eyes and seeing that kind of brings that alive from my perspective of someone who already read the book. Granted, right. if you're completely new to it, you're like, okay, we get it. You're showing this 
these black lovers, their faces and all this other stuff really close. Right. But I'm hearing some of the quotes or some of the passages from Baldwin while I'm seeing this. So it kind of made the film come even more alive for me. And, and some of my favorite parts were um, things that I thought were lifted from the book. So Regina King, she plays the mother of Tish, um, soon to be mother-in-law of Fanny, which Fanny and Tish are the two lovers where tragedy kind of happens to them. Um, but Regina King, I feel like she, the little bit that she was able to do with her role was amazing to me. I felt like she was able to portray so much in such a little little time on those little scenes that she had. Because in the book, when she goes to Puerto Rico, that part is such a big part to me in the book. And in the film, it was a, a short, condensed kind of section. But to me, she was able to convey a lot of those emotions or a lot of those feelings. I don't know. Um, were there any scenes in the movie that you felt like really captured you? Um... I like the scene with the two families in the house. Oh, um, yeah. And I'm surprised they didn't go into more detail about, you know, the other families, especially the women in the family. Um, so we kind of saw the dad later on, but we never saw um, the rest of the women in the family. And Which so. was so crazy to me, because in the book, so in the book, not to be one of those people, you read that back. But seriously, like, there's so much talked about those women I was shocked that that was the only time that we saw them. I was also shocked at how they looked because in the book, they are like almost passing. When I say that, I mean, they're very, very fair skin, very light skin. That's a big part of their character. Like in addition to them being very religious and very Christian, it's also the sense of they are so light skin. Even though Fani is not necessarily light skin, he he's darker than them, but they still feel like, Tish is too dark for him and it's not as good. Like it's colorism is a bigger theme within their family and they explore that mm -hmm. pretty yeah. deeply. Right. And I know Barry Jenkins even mentioned that it was a big theme in the book, but it didn't he didn't necessarily incorporate it in the same way. Wait, um, so why book. did he say he didn't want to include he didn't say, it? I didn't say that. I said oh. it wasn't necessarily represented in the same way in the film. Yeah, I wonder why he took that aspect out. I guess because there's so many themes that are going on maybe in the movie. And also like if it, in that scene, it would have been just distracting with everything going on in the in the scene with the two families. It would have added a different element to the scene with the two families had there been the colorism aspect in that in that situation. Even though it was slightly brought up, but it didn't necessarily make sense because the girl wasn't like that, <laughs> that fair skin. It wasn't even not that fair. She was literally the same color. They were all like brown skinned people, so it was like interesting because there's a scene in the book. I mean, not in the book, in the movie, one of the lines, because I initially, once I saw that the mom and the sisters reading the book, I was like, oh, okay, they went a different direction with that. Like, they probably aren't addressing it. But then there's a line where the girl's like, with your yellow stuff or something like that. And it was weird because it was like, yellow, like the girl's not wearing yellow. So it was kind of like, I don't know. It was just, <laughs> I was like, I wonder if people who haven't read the book even know that she was referring to her skin complexion. But, um, also, in the movie, that's the only time we see the siblings, the sisters, or the mother, whereas in the book, like, the mother is explained before that scene, the sisters are explained before that, and they, you hear about them kind of a little bit more throughout the book, and also Fani's relationship with his mother and with his sisters, as well as his relationship to his father. 
But I mean, how long was the movie? They probably just don't have time. Yeah, it was two hours, and that's what he was mentioning. Like, if you guys get a chance, Barry Jenkins does really good Q and A sessions. So on YouTube, look him up. But um, oh, okay. he was also mentioning about. So a lot of people were wondering about. You know, Jen, you mentioned um, the early part of their life, um, which was not really included in the movie, but that was like a big part for you um, in the when you were reading the book, like in terms of the romance or the love. Yeah, and when I say that, what I mean by that, I feel like there's a foundation of, I would have to ask you, from your point of view, could you tell that there was an immense like love and care from the Tish's family towards Fani? I think so. I didn't get that it was, I mean, I got that it was strong based on kind of their efforts, um, but not necessarily, yeah, and I didn't think it was anything different than what maybe a normal family might do. I almost saw it in the movie as though they cared for their daughter and what she loved. And so they yeah, want to make sure their true. daughter is that, happy that as is opposed true. to whatever's happening with Connie. But that's Connie. love, too. But they love That him, is love. No, no, but I didn't necessarily oh. see it specifically as, oh, yeah, we love this kid. Um, well, no, yeah. I, did, I That wasn't even what I was trying to say. I meant, like, did you recognize in the film the different layers of love? Like, when I say romance yeah, yeah, and love. Yeah, like her like it traveling wasn't all the way over to Puerto Rico and all that. How did you see Fani and um, Tisha's love? Did you see them having a deep love, or did it just seem like they just kind of love? I did see it as deep, like, love at first sight type love. Like, nothing can stand in the way. I knew that there's, even though I didn't know the storyline, I knew that he would never cheat or never do anything bad. I knew that she was just so in love and they were just, from their whole lives, they have been in love. Yes, it was clear from just the snippets that they showed. Okay, so you did feel like it was a romance film. Yeah, what else would it be? Because when we were talking, you were like, you didn't really get the moments from it. So that's why I was asking that. You were saying you didn't see I mean, that I romance didn't, It didn't aspect. like make me feel like, uh, or something like that. I was thinking that I was, it was going to be so like romantic that I was going to feel something. But that didn't happen. <laughs> I guess from my point of view, I felt like um, it was a really good film. I definitely say to see it, but I do suggest if you are a reader to read the novel. The novel to me is just a lot better. And I hate to say better like that, but I feel like better at captivating and exploring different facets and different themes. For on film, if you don't feel like you have the time to really read through, I think this is a quicker easier way to get in some of the major themes in the book the novel ends different than the um movie does that's another thing just to keep in mind and i think they try to tie it into more closely to things that have been more prevalent not necessarily as of recently but more more widely discussed so the ending kind of falls in line with more current times i would say anyways let's go ahead and get out of here we've been talking for enough Please make sure um, to email us at leftonredpod at gmail.com. And also, definitely rate us on iTunes. If you enjoy this podcast, please help us out. Give us five stars. Um, but we'll definitely answer all the emails that we get, as well as if you have comments and you're watching this on YouTube, comment below. We will respond and hopefully address it in the next episode. Well, we're going to get out of here. So love and light, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.